One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And this week, I'm joined by one of the country's finest front women. She is the songwriter and voice of Texas, who've sold over 40 million records worldwide. She's smart, she's sassy, she's fizzing with talent. She's also always had tremendous hair. No surprise when you consider that she was working as a hairdresser when she started with Texas at 17 back in 1986. Their 1989 album, Southside, won them huge critical acclaim, but it was in 1997 with White on Blonde that they put themselves on the global map with hits like Say What You Want and Black Eyed Boy. Born and raised in Glasgow by her father, a guitar-playing former merchant seaman who later worked for Texas's road crew, and a mother who sang and worked as a window dresser. She now lives in London with her 18-year-old daughter, Misty, and her husband, Chef Bryn Williams, who she married in 2018 after 11 years together. So let's dial her up. I can't wait to catch up with Charlene Spiteri. How are you? I'm good. You made me sound really interesting. You are. <laughs> and you've got tremendous hair. Yeah, with my bully hat on today. <laughs> it, look, look at me. I got it cut yesterday. I love it. Oh, I look like Yeti. If you'd seen me, I'd call the front myself. I'd call the front. <laughs> But I literally had the biggest mullet you've ever seen. I could could actually put pigtails in it. It was that long. And I did a couple of bits. I was just like, but no, I had a, I had like, I literally looked like I had a mohawk in the back of my head. But even though you are a hairdresser, it's not advisable to cut your own hair, surely. Who says? That's only hairdressers that say that kind of stuff. <laughs> I was a hairdresser. They, they say things like, well, don't ever try and cut your own hair. Always cut your own hair. <laughs> Just don't use rubbish scissors. That's, That's what hairdressers yeah. Don't use rubbish scissors. Not the ones from the present draw. no. You're like sawing your hair off. With a butter <laughs> knife. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know one of the best haircuts I ever had? Who gave me it? Kate Moss gave me the best haircut I've ever had. Cut it one night in the Groucho. Really? Yeah. And we had a bit of a moment. It was great. It was one of those great moments where we were sitting, we were like, have you got a pair of scissors? And I was sitting, like, do you remember in the Groucho, when, in the old Groucho, when it used to go down the alleyway a bit? Yeah. I'm sat up on there. She's in a dress with half her tit hanging out, and she's cutting my hair, like, just chopping big bits out of my hair. <laughs> it was a great haircut. It was really good. Really? Yeah, she cut it twice for me. She was, she's brilliant at cutting hair, Kate. 
well, do you know what? Now she knows if it all goes tits up. Exactly, because I, I don't know if she'll be successful. Well, I've got everything crossed for her. She's a nice woman. I I wish her well. <laughs> She's, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Touch and go. Imagine. Might, that's kind of claims like, Kate Moss can't hear that. It's quite a cool. Twice. Not once, but twice. twice. Yeah. How are you in the, what is this, the tail end of lockdown three? Are you good? I'm really good. I mean, seriously, I mean... I have found some of my friends really suffering, um, you know, really like suffering like mentally, like with a lot of pressure on them with their jobs and everything, not even knowing if the, the, their jobs will go back to the jobs that they were. Um, so, yeah, really aware of that um, and, and you know, just being really conscious of other people and, and you know, you, you're just trying to kind of tread carefully and watch what you're doing and... and because there are some people swarming about, literally like they won the lottery, and you're a bit like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, which, is, which is quite, um, I think it's just downright bloody outrageous and rude. I think a lot of people lost their filters. <laughs> well, I mean, if I, I keep saying it, like the, the dregs always float to the surface. <laughs> you know, there's people that have got less than a lot of people that have done the most unbelievable things for other people and you just think mind-blowing amazing just absolutely amazing you know most people through this have been absolutely brilliant yeah and it's that little small percentage that basically you go whoa what are you doing what are you yeah thinking? you know did you ever get lockdown rage like you know when you see people flouting rules or not playing their part I will be completely honest, right? I was in a very strange place um, because my mum died the week before lockdown. Oh, I'm sorry, so Charlene. That was kind of tough. Um, yeah. It was very unexpected. It was like literally, whoa. But my sister and I got through it um, knowing that we had the two weeks with my mum. We slept in the hospital every night. Um, we didn't even know. She never even knew she was ill. And literally, she got told um, she had cancer, lung cancer, and my mum was dead within two weeks. So it was a massive shock, and it was a massive shock to the family. It was really aggressive. And um, we were literally like, what just happened? So I was in a quite a different headspace going into lockdown from a lot of people. I was yeah. in the same headspace that the people that had lost, you know, relatives and family through COVID and friends. Um, so I knew, well, one minute they are, next minute they're gone. And so I went into lockdown with that. But I didn't have the rage of my mum dying of, you know, this horrible, horrible virus. Um, so I can understand, um, I can understand people that have lost people having that. But I don't understand people that that have haven't lost anybody or haven't lost anything, just being in a bad mood and a rage because they can't get out and get a pint or they can't go out and go get their nails done or their hair colour done, or even go on holiday. I'm just like, just just shut up, you know. And <laughs> you can't go. Of, you just can't go. You know, it's it. It was basically that was it. That you can't go and just get over it, get on with it. We, we, things. Hopefully, in the not too distant future, are going to go back to. I think maybe another way of life. Um, mm. Maybe maybe a better way of life. Maybe we're going to be nicer people. Maybe we're going to be more caring. Mind you, in saying that, I was getting my my second vaccination yesterday, and, I told, and a, a woman did tell me that. I don't want to know. I was like, basically what happened was I was standing right at front of you because I'm a bit an eager beaver. I was early for my appointment and I was standing right at front. And this woman just walks up and just stands right beside me. And I said to all, oh, I went, are you here for the, the, the AstraZeneca? And she went, she went, that was the first one in the face to me. I was like, okay. <laughs> I went, that's the cue. There's a, there's a queue, but everybody else was being far too British to say to her, oh, I love get to the back of the queue, which <laughs> I would have done, which I kind of did even though I was at the front. Um, I was like, queue, do you want to get in it? And she told me that she didn't want to hear it because she'd been there an hour. 
I was like, I saw you coming in. I was here way before you, bitch. <laughs> I thought, okay, breathe in really deeply, Sharon Spateri. Don't become full on Glaswegian with her slightly posh accent that I might knock her in about two seconds. Be cool. I'm a lover, not a fighter. So I was on one of those yesterday, yeah. You know, you get your vaccine, people are dying. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I never forget a face. She'll not forget mine either. <laughs> not for a while, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm ready. I don't think I'm actually recognize it. <laughs> Before I crack into your questions, um, I just wanted to know how creative lockdown was for you because I know that you had the beginnings of an album before you went into lockdown but actually ended up with quite a different iteration by way of high by the end of lockdown. Is that right? Well, no. We basically finished the album. Right. So basically, as my mum gets sick, we had finished the Texas album when we were ready to go. So as we're going into that, I'm like, we're trying to finish the album. I mean, we're literally, we're in mixing mode, right? And I'm like, I'm going goodbye and left. Um, Then we suddenly... Everything happens and we're in lockdown. And um, the album was, we had all the tracks on it. We were we were, letting, we were getting cuts through and everything and we were just like, oh, no, we don't like it. It's not right. But what happened was is we took the album and because I literally went, I don't want an album out. I don't want to go with a record right now. Um, I think it's disrespectful to people that are losing family and friends. Um and I'm really sorry, but I don't think a Texas record is going to cheer them up. You know, I was like, come on, did, is, did the musicians in this world just need a little bit of reality check for a minute? I was a bit like, my re- our record's not going to pull them out of what's going on. And like, they've just lost no. their dog, can't feed the children. And hey, let's get a Texas record. That'll cheer you up. I don't think so. Um, don't think my record company were too happy when I had that conversation with them. But um, but what we did do is over that, once I'd kind of got my head together and was feeling in a space to, like, you know, communicate, um, we actually went looked back at the album and we ended up writing three new songs over lockdown that we added to the album. Right, okay. Things that I wanted to say, things that I'd never experienced before. You know, I've had friends that have lost a parent and... Um, my friends who've lost their mother and 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 I'm, I've known their mothers and you you feel really sad and it feels like a great loss, but to actually lose your mother is like nobody can tell you. And it's funny because as soon as you do, everybody that you know goes, Welcome to the club. And it's like it's it's literally like a, a piece of your body physically is missing. It's very very strange and so basically what happened was is we wrote a couple more songs because I'm not great at I mean I know I can talk for Britain but I'm not great at expressing my feelings or my emotions like on on a one-to-one basis but what I can do is I can write a song so some of that went into into for me just letting out there and um, then we added them to the album. It was great because what we, myself and Johnny McElhone, who's the bass player in Texas and my songwriting partner, um, he was in Glasgow. I was in Wales, at a house in Wales. Um, Jack McElhone, who writes with us, was in Los Angeles. And Angelica Bjornsson was in Sweden, who writes with us. And we wrote over, um, you know, this. We wrote Zoom. Over- Zoom, talk to each other, send we always send files, but normally there'll be a point where we'll all come into the studio together and work. Yeah. Um and we did we did that. And then we did have a really good moment, which we added to on the album was we had a song that we had written and we thought it would be really, really good as a duet. And um we had done a thing a few years back in Glasgow and also at the Albert Hall and Claire Grogan from Altered Images had come on stage. Uh-huh. Lovely Claire Grogan. What a woman. Oh, what an amazing woman. Do you know, I had the proper... So Johnny, who's who's my songwriting partner, was in Altered Images as well. Yeah, so and, Altered Images, for anybody that's younger than us, uh, were a kick-ass band and Claire was their phenomenal front woman and Johnny was a member of that band before putting Texas together with you. Yeah. 
And um, he, you know, when when we did that thing in Glasgow, when she did the first time, we did three nights at, at the Kelvin Grove Park, um, and basically we were doing the sound check. And I, I'd never, I've known Claire for years, but I've never seen anything. I've bought the Altered Images records and know the albums really well. And we were doing an Altered Images song and a Texas song together, and we sound checked, and we had all been learning the the um, to play the the Altered Images song. But then Claire comes on and she just gets my and that voice came out and everybody, we all went. Oh. I mean, also Jordy never because Jordy was a bit like, well, yeah, I've been <laughs> since I was sixteen. And literally, <laughs> we all went, that's that voice. It's oh. a Rogan voice, and it was just so great. And it was great performing with another woman as well. And I've never, I've never, you know, done a record with another woman. I have sung with them, but. Um, Doing a record was great, and Claire's voice and my voice like really went well together, and we thought she was really right for the song, and we sent her it, and she loved it, and um, so we did that, and that was done between the first lockdown and the second lockdown, but we oh. actually went to the studio. I love how you and Claire, you kind of bookend female Scottish vocalists in the best <laughs> possible way you are representing. It was good. It was really, it was just really nice to do something as well that was fun and. And, and different and the change. That's the great thing about this record, about this album High, is that we basically just did whatever the hell we wanted to. I'm, I ain't seen that. That's what we always do. Is that not the case with White on Blonde as well, which is kind of where some of these songs, that, that time period originated from? Yeah. We went into the vaults um, because it's an anniversary for White on Blonde and Universal were wanting to put, um, see if we could find like different versions of the songs that were on the album and bits and pieces. When we're in those vaults, we find two unfinished songs and we go, oh, God. It's funny because when you hear something and you haven't heard it for a million years, it's funny how you suddenly instantly know it. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> when we did that. I remember did what you? I was doing. Oh, yeah, knew, knew all the words. You know, seriously, like, I'm the worst person on the planet. Remembered all the words instantly. As soon as you just that first thing, you go, oh, I remember this and did it and you start singing it. But we never, we hadn't finished them. So what we do, we did was we took, for example, one of those songs was actually Mr. Hayes, and we took the song, and we wrote a chorus to it because it hadn't, it never had a proper finished chorus. We wrote that part, um, and then we thought, oh, it sounds a bit Donna Summary, and um, that's which is never any bad thing. Never. And suddenly we went, actually, let's put the let's sample "Loves Unkind," put it on to see how it sounds. And we did that and we just went, we have to use this sample. Like we, you know, and just so that if anybody's listening that doesn't understand how that works, basically if you use a sample, you have to get permission to use it from another song. But what happens is the person that wrote the original song, they then get a writing credit on the yeah. new record and they make money from that. So that was, so we had to get, um, we had to get permission from Giorgio Moroder. And lucky enough, we had a, friendship with Giorgio anyway because we had done a version of Summer Sun many years ago with him and had hung out with him and everything in LA and um, so it was quite good we did the phone call we like please please and we got the permission to use it and off we went Giorgio Moroda now there's a man that knows his way around a song Jeez. oh my god you know that Giorgio does um, DJing now yes like I know yes I've been to see him play have you? A couple of years back, yeah, he's in Ibiza. So he's so good. Well, he's just, he is I mean, the disco. That's a, night, that, that's a night that would have been on the Lady Petrol. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, it was. <laughs> you, know, like when, you know, like whenever anybody just says the word Ibiza and there's wine involved and you just think, oh my God, yeah, Whispering Angel, the divorce wine. Like literally, <laughs> it's like. The divorce wine. Know, it's, we call it the divorce wine. Me and my pals call it divorce wine because no matter where or when, because everybody it was like when it first, when that wine first came through, everyone in Ibiza was just hammering it. Yeah, they were. Uh, and literally, you come back to the UK and it's not as hot, not as sunny. You go, oh, my God, we bought the Whispering Angel. And suddenly, before you know it, you're literally like, I, I don't know. For some reason, it doesn't quite um, work as good as it does in Ibiza in the sun. You're a bit. I think you drink a bit slower when you slower when you're in the sun. And um, <laughs> so then we started. We then christened it the divorce wine because every woman that ever drank it 
had a massive fight with her other half. <laughs> Everybody in the phone literally was just going, you know that thing when you get to that point where you're looking at your husband and go, shut up. Literally, <laughs> shut up. That's so rude as well. So bad. <laughs> and that is, that is pure Lady Petrol moment of the divorce wine. The shut divorce wine. Divorce juice. I'll have you know. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't talk to me. No, I'm you know, you start saying things like, "Dad's you to turn my knickers around the right way when and put a, and put my washing on every week." You start saying like that. I was reading through some old interviews and bits and pieces, and I found um, this brilliant uh, nugget that you offered up via Peter Kay. Do you know where I'm going with this? Okay. He once he said he. You said he once offered a kind of character analysis of you. And he oh, said God, to yeah. you, and, you know, let's just put some context here. Peter Kay is not just a pop fan. He's probably one of the biggest in the whole wide world. He loves popular music with a passion. Genius, yeah, he knows everything but music. He's literally like a Wikipedia of music. Yeah. He's amazing. So he apparently said to you, the problem with you and the charm with you is the same thing. In your head, you're still a hairdresser. Wait to get rumbled. <laughs> is that what he said? I didn't know that yeah. bit. Basically, he said to me, he goes, see, the thing is, Char, partly, he says, the biggest part of your charm, he says, is the fact that you still, in your head, you're you you're just a hairdresser waiting to get rumbled. You're thinking, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting a making good shot at this. <laughs> getting away with it. Yeah, I'm getting away with it for 35 years. Woo! Did, did that resonate with you, though? Did you go... Yeah, actually, maybe you're right. I thought it was genius. <laughs> um, everything that Peter does is genius, though. Do you know what I mean? I just love him dearly. The it absolutely did resonate with me because I, it feels like yesterday, and and you know, I guess part of me is continually learning, and part of me is just still going. Oh, that's amazing. You know, I still, I, I literally, I was talking to someone earlier on today and I literally was, I still have to pull the car over if we're on the radio. I literally have meltdown. I'm like, Aww. oh my God, we're on the radio. Oh my God. I love that. Still, 30 odd years on. Still, I feel physically sick when the record's coming out because I'm like, oh my God, it's coming out. Oh my God, I hope people are going to like it. And, uh, you know, I get really nervous. And That's a lot to put yourself through. That's 10, 11 albums now. Yeah, no, but it's just the first week. It's just waiting on that first chart position. Yeah. You know, it's tough, really tough. It is. It's hard to get heard. Um, but that, I think you've you've become quite pre- well, quite well practiced in that because when I, you tell me if this is true or not, but apparently when you were signing your deal, uh, you were called a dodgy boiler by the managing director of the record company. Is that right? 1987, I think it was. Yeah. I mean. I heard them. I was sitting outside and they were just like, they were playing the demos and stuff and they were listening. And they went, so what's the so what's the dodgy boiler like? And I was like, you know, I just, I, I must have been, I was like, you know, I was young and I, I, there was a part of my heart just sank. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe someone actually used that language. And I guess it's it's like anything, you know, you speak to a lot of women that would into certain industries at certain points round about a certain time in the years, and there would be language and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, is it still out there? Whatever. It's like, yeah, it's out there. It's better hidden now. You know, we all watch the P's and Q's. They're very aware of what they're saying and, and make sure they're not being heard saying any of those things. Whereas before, when, when I started the music industry, it was like, ah, oh, you were getting called all sorts. It was like... Were you once told um, that you were emasculating a record executive? Oh, um, so oh, so you had to be a little bit more diplomatic so as oh, not to hurt oh, his yeah. teeny tiny feelings. Oh, <laughs> teeny tiny feelings because... <laughs> photographer that he wanted to use for something that he was working I says I can make you a phone call right now I'll phone him down I'll speak to him it's like and he was like because he'd been going on and on and on at this big meeting saying yeah you know we're like thickest thieves and da 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 and about this photographer about this photographer and I went and he went I, you know we'll have to see I mean these people are so hard to get but I went I'll call him for you I'm sure he'll do it. I'm sure he'd love to work with this artist. It'd be really good for you guys and blah, blah, blah. I says, I'll just call him. 
and I am not kidding you. Oh my God. It caused, it caused so much trouble. Why? Because, you know, he's obviously got issues with being the big I am and, and I was a bigger I am. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. All right, you need to, I should have said it. Do you know what I think we just went and got, all right, you need to speak to an assistant. It's okay, I'll just call him directly. That's basically <laughs> what I actually said. And I thought I was being really polite about it because that wasn't what I said. I literally said, do you want me to help you out? Yeah, that's what I just heard from the way you told that story. Yeah, that was it. I never said to him, I said, look, I never did what probably he would have done to me. It was like, I don't need to speak to his people. I can just speak to him. Do you want me to do that for you? Which I should have done, which probably I wouldn't have got the attitude after it. <laughs> never mind. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, there might be a few of those stories that uh, litter the response to my next question to you. Um, you may or may not be aware of this, but back in 2016, an assistant professor of psychology at Princeton published um, a CV of his failures on Twitter. And it went viral because it was so inspiring and so inspirational. It kind of flipped failure on its head and turned it into lessons. So I wondered if if you could make a little list of failures to inspire others, what would you include and what did they teach you? Oh God, I've failed at loads of things. I don't have a problem with failing. I am not... Um, if I'm doing something, I will try my damnedest to do it as best as I possibly can. But I'm not scared of failing. I've never, and I would say the biggest lesson from that is, as you said, is learning. So, you know, you can't grow and you can't be anybody if you can't take failure, because if you can ride through the failure, you'll succeed massively when you hit it bang on the head, I would say. Um, you know, I would just say all those things. I'm not scared to, yeah, you've got, you've got to be willing to lose everything a lot of the time to do great things. Um, and you've just got to, you know, it's not about gambling because a lot of people think it's about gambling. It's not about gambling. Yeah, there's chances that you take, but the chance that you take is not succeeding at it. And that's not a bad thing if you don't. Yeah. But also sometimes you think, you can't think, what if it goes wrong? You just have to think, 
what's going to happen when it goes right? You just got to, you know, just got to reframe it slightly, haven't you? Yeah, I don't even think about it going right or going wrong. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to do it. You know, sometimes you just got to like get on with. It. I can hear someone behind me. I thought it was. I thought it was a teenager. <laughs> He's walked in in every other Zoom I've had today, so I thought, was like, why not? She's just handed in her A-levels, you know, our final pieces, our final papers for her A-levels, and she's literally been like this to me, like, I'm finished now! I'm like, not yet. <laughs> oh, do you remember that feeling, though? I mean, in saying that, I shouldn't really say this, but I, I mean, I, I left school at 15. I just never went back. I was like... Did you not? Oh, God, I, I just... Didn't I can I was because I was the youngest in my year, so I was technically I, oh, I was I was I was fifteen years old, but everybody else was was over that, so I just never turned up. For that. I was supposed to still do another half a like year, and I never. So how does it work? Like when you're telling Misty, you've got to knuckle down, you've got to do your schoolwork, knowing that you never did, and you're all right. I've, I've said to her, I've said, I said, look, I went. The thing is, is but when I was, but Misty's 80, I was out working when I was Misty's age, so that was the difference, do you know what I mean? I had the full yeah. job. I was in Texas when I was in Misty's age. <laughs> you were. I'd already written I Do What I Love It at that point. Yeah. Uh, and it's not to say that she'll not do anything great, but what I said to her is I was like, have a plan, you know, have a plan A, have a plan B, have a plan C. But um, she started modelling and um, that which was, quite a moment for me as a mother I literally went really and she went yeah I went you might as well be a hooker it's like <laughs> I didn't <laughs> were you disappointed she went you're so horrible <laughs> and then she's you know now she's started she's you know she's doing it she's she's you know she's already been in vogue and she's the front cover of pop magazine and everything yeah, and she's I, pretty major, I'd say. If if you're gonna model, she's you know, modelling. She's doing it. She's earning a bit of money. Um, and the thing that, apart from what it is she's doing, I had to go and take something to her on a set, and I saw her in a situation from afar, and she didn't know I was there, and she was so professional. I was like. I felt really proud, you know. I'm, I'll not let her hear that, but I did feel really proud, and I thought. So I was. I'm always like this: to you, be really well managed. You're nice to everybody. The person that like literally brings you a frigging glass of water, you offer everybody else. If you're doing something, you offer. Do that. You know, I'm literally. But that's not just since she's been going to work. That's since she's been a little girl. Um, yeah. Because the way I was brought up. And, you know, I'm always, and, and I think I'm really conscious of it because, you know, she's grown up in a privileged lifestyle that, that I never grew up in. And mm. I guess that little bit of me is slightly paranoid that I'm going to end up with some privileged little twat, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> that's the most terrifying, you know, it's like that question when somebody said to you, would you rather your child was bullied than be a bully? And I'm like, yeah, I would rather my child was bullied. Like oh, yes, every time. Sorry, I would. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Every time somebody said, "No, I'd rather my child was bullied," because if my if someone came home and said your child bullied my, I'd be like, I, the shame, the shame of it would be like, and the sadness and the yeah, disappointment. And I was really bullied as a kid at school, and so I, I know how it feels. I know the fear, the anxieties, mm. the, the all the baggage that comes with it. And literally, so when I saw her working and 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 she's up, she's on time, she's never late, she's like organized. I'm like, okay, we'll give her a chance. But the best lab is she started looking at um she was looking at apartments and stuff like this, and she's like, she's like, Oh yeah, look at this one. And I was like, <laughs> You think you're gonna buy a house in London? <laughs> <laughs> I went, I swear to God, I love the movie. I love it. I'm, I'm like, do you know what? When you do, because I can just see in your eyes, you get that determination. I'll be like, because, you know, it's like how young people go on the property ladder nowadays. I just. Well, in, in London, for, you know, I have no anywhere idea. Now, anywhere now is like, you just yeah. think, 
you know, these youngsters really have. <laughs> you just think, how are they going to run the property ladder? It's yeah. too tough. Yeah. I, I completely hear you. But you know what? If she's in vogue and on the cover of Pop Magazine, she might just have the last laugh here. You might I, be going I, around to buzz yourself what? in through her electric gates sometime soon. I just keep, saying, I just keep saying to her, I just keep saying, just remember me, my old age. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we have to remember. They choose our care homes. Oh, my God. No, I chose my own. Have you? Yeah. Pre-booked it. I swear to God, I am literally, I'm literally, I've, I've got what, how I want to go, the songs I want sung, everything done. It's all there. I was literally losing your mum like that teaches you a big lesson. Wow. Is that something you did after losing your mum or is that something you've well, done I've before? I've had a will since I was 18 um, just because, you know, because of what I do and because I owned property and, you know, this and everything. So I've always had a will. Um and it's never been a big deal for me. I'm always level of fame enhanced me. This is what happened. Da, 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 da. But what has ha- what has happened with my mum and my dad's got Parkinson's as well. Um oh, and God. it's been really, really difficult. And so I was literally like, I don't want any pressure on anybody else because it's all yeah. just gonna get sorted out. There's the instructions. It's with a lawyer, it's in an envelope. This is what I want. Do not go off piste with it because I'll come back and haunt you. <laughs> I mean, that was the thing. My mum was amazing. My mum was like at a masterclass when she was dying. And um, she was saying to us, you do this and go there and get that. And I don't want a funeral. I don't want people singing. She's like, I don't want all that singing. She went, you can have something after it, like have a tea party or something or do something. But I only want you, lot, you just like me, my sister, her husbands and the kids. That's it, and your dad. Well, I'll even let your dad come. We were like, oh, my God, she's so funny. So (laughs) that happens. But when my mum, so my sister and I had this really surreal moment where we had to go to the undertakers. And I said to my sister, and that was the other thing. My mum says, I don't want people seeing me in a coffin. We were like, you know, the year where you're having these weird conversations with somebody yeah. who knows dying. She says, I don't want anybody to see me in a coffin. We were like, okay, okay, okay. So when we went to the undertakers, I said to my sister, I said, listen, I said, I went to a funeral like a good few years ago. I said, and it was, I have to say, it was really beautiful. I said, the, the coffin was a wicker, it was like a wicker basket. I said, it was literally like, like a cradle. I said, it was absolutely, it was just really gentle and soft and, so I said, I think mum would really like that. And my mum was a bit claustrophobic. So I had this really weird idea in my head of, like, we're getting in a basket. And this and I go in and we say to the undertaker, um, um, could, do, you, do you do, like, the wicker? And he went, yeah, yeah, let me get you the catalogue, which freaked me out straight away. I was like, again, there's a catalogue. He says, we don't have any to look at here, but we can get them. So my sister and I, we go like this. We literally look at the catalogue, comes right, and the two of us are sitting beside each other. And we open the page, and the first three are in a line. And I turn at my sister, and I go, oh, my God, it looks like a Fort Mason's hamper. Right? <laughs> at which point, my sister turns to me, and she says to me, she goes, Mum would kill us if we, if we buried her in our hamper. I went, <laughs> I think, could you imagine? Mum, you know how we always send you that really nice watering mason that we decided to put you in one of <laughs> It was, the, and so the two of us are sitting shaking with laughter. <laughs> and you could see, you could see, you, know, you could see the, the guy looking at us going, these two are a pair of losers. They're a pair of losers. <laughs> he, I just love the, the fact that you thought the ventilation might support your mother's claustrophobia. I know. it's mad we ended up getting the most beautiful beautiful wicker like it was like it was all done in like um oh it was just stunning but it it looked like a it literally looked like a moses basket and it Uh, was really beautiful so but we did have to go through the catalogue and i did have to kind of start getting very specific about what i was (laughs) which sounds just like your mum I don't want this. I don't want that. Oh, she was. She was like, I don't want that. You got to do this. I don't like that song. Yep, that's fine. Okay, great. Anyway. But you've done the same. You've put your little catalogue of uh, what you want. Yeah. I've literally went, you know what? Let's let's do that because we were so lucky that my mum told us because there's nothing in writing anywhere. And if my mum had just gone like that, we would have had, we would have just been going, I think she might have wanted this. 
Yeah, so, and that's horrible. At a time like that, you're right. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. You know what? I'm I'm with you. I did mine in well, I did mine after I had my son. But yeah, and I cried for about three nights writing all of my instructions and choosing the song. It was very morbid. Yeah, but that's because you just had the baby. And I'd separated from his dad. Yeah. So Being yeah. So there was, that one as well. Yeah. No, that oh, look, you're like a walking wreck. Don't yeah, and then movie. and then you go and do something as emotive as that, but it's got to be done. Yeah, you're literally like this. You know that thing where you find yourself in that moment. You just had a baby. Well, up until they're about ten, probably you still do it, and you're literally you don't know why, but you're going in front of some stupid TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hormones. Oh my god, no one tells you. Nobody and tells you, and then. I had the, the most funny conversation the other night with somebody talking about the Marina Coil. And I went, and she went, were you a basket case? I went, Jesus, I was like the devil. I was like the Tasmanian devil. Literally, yeah. as my gynecologist pulled it out, I went, bing, and turned back into my old self. Don't Do you know what? I had, exact, I had exactly the same. So I went on that after I'd had my son and I went back within days and said, you can take this out right now because it's literally poisoned my system. Yeah, I lasted a month and I was like, I was so angry. I was so angry. Don't I was the angry hippo. Literally, oh. I was just waddling around raging. What did you put in there? A plug? <laughs> yeah, like, like, just plug it all in and let everything stay in there to just go rancid and full of hate and horrible and now that's me. <laughs> I so hear you. <laughs> My final question to you. It sounds simple. It might not be. But I want to know which one book, which one photograph and which one song could sustain you forever. The ones that you'll never tire of listening to, looking at or reading. Okay. I never tire of hearing Marvin Gaye sing. Ever. 50 years as we speak this week to the day that What's Going On was released. Yeah. And I will take, you could just... Just Marvin. I don't give. I don't give a hoot if it was Marvin singing the American national anthem. Because have you ever heard him sing that? It's, no. Is it good? Oh my god. Okay. You know, everybody goes it like Marvin Gaye sings it, and you go, "It's a Marvin Gaye song." It doesn't sound anything. It's just like <laughs> Marvin Gaye, and that is probably the best way to describe what Marvin Gaye can do with his vocals and mm. with his emotion and feeling of expressing a lyric and and, a, and and something that he he can hear the words going in through his body and literally mm. come out through his mouth. And Marvin Gaye, whether it's what's going on, which, you know, socially is amazing just to hear Someone used those words at that point and still yeah. we are in that point to this very day. I know things are changing, but they're not changing fast enough. Um, so yeah, I think I think that would be for me the song. Um a book for me would probably be To Kill a Mockingbird. Snap! Is that your book? Oh, I love I love that book. It taught me. It's it's and I I'm so angry that they've taken it off the curriculum because it's not it's by an American author. I know you just like going what it deals with and you know what the message and what it's saying. There's so many topics within that story that it's so important to teach and it's so important to give young people the opportunity to make up their own minds. Even mm -hmm. you know. I remember a teacher saying to me when I was when I was at school saying, look, it's in the curriculum, you need to read it. But what you don't need to do is you don't need to say it's brilliant just because it's in the curriculum. You're allowed to have an opinion on it. And mm. she took she gave me that freedom, that teacher. She gave me the freedom, my English teacher, to just say, actually, I don't think that was that good. That didn't move me. I didn't feel that was true or whatever, or take a piece of it and use that piece as an inspiration. Um and you know it's so and it's an important book as well it's it, really it, important it, it makes you think that was probably one of the first books that really made me go oh 
looking at life through a different lens. Absolutely. I, I drove my mum insane with that book as well because I went, mm. can I change my name to Scout? Can I change my name to Scout? <gasps> Misty was nearly Scout, but our dad was having none of it. So, it's a beautiful yeah. name and a beautiful soul. Yeah, really beautiful soul. And again, my love between her dungarees, which I adored and obviously, they, not obviously, but they did a movie of it with amazing Gregory Peck and everything. And she's always in her dungarees scout and she hates wearing dresses. And for me, that, in my younger years, that part really resonated with me as well because I wasn't your typical little pretty girl, but I was a real tomboy. And I was literally, you know, I was literally, I'm not a girl, I'm a, I'm, I'm a boy and I'm, you know, and, and, and I'm a cowboy and then end up in a band called Texas. That's <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. I know, it's all very, uh, it's all very um, strange and uh, how things come around. But that's my book. Have you read um, it since you were a child? Have you gone back to it? I've read it many times. And it was one of those ones that I said to my daughter, you you need to read you really need to read this yeah. and and she did and she was like you know and she did that whole thing for ages going oh yeah i will i will i will i will and you know my daughter um my daughter like sometimes she's, she she did struggle about reading as well because she's got um she's got um dyslexia so sometimes reading so i said look even if you get it on an audiobook you just need to hear this story. You need to hear yeah. this story or watch the movie. I says, but the thing is, is when you read a book or when you, you have an audio book, the story is so much more in depth sometimes than the, the, than the it movie is. is. And it would be really good for you to hear that as your first draft of it. What about your favourite photograph? There's a photograph of myself and my daughter um, that, that her nanny took Bex took and it's literally with her inside my cardigan and I'm laughing like this and she's cuddled she's looking at the camera I'm looking down on her and it wasn't you know the great thing about it wasn't a posed cat it wasn't a posed photograph or anything oh I can see a teenager behind me there she is talk of the devil Misty we're just talking about you um, and basically that photograph I love because it, we were just standing in the garden and Bex captured that moment. And, you know, it was it's one of those moments that I look at and I just think, yeah, that that for me, because I was on my own with Misty and, you know, I was bringing it up all morning. It was just literally just that little moment she was wrapped in my cardigan. Um, and, I, you know, I think the... She, the way she's looking at the camera and I know the joy that I felt of having this little bundle of of love and joy. Yeah, I really get that. I look at those pictures now from that time and I almost grieve it. And it's not that because I, you know, I don't want to take, take him back in time or anything, but exactly. you're so tired at that point. You don't truly drink it all in. And if I could have just 24 hours of changing nappies and popping him on my hip, I'd be so happy. Oh, seriously. I'm driving this one behind me and saying, I'm literally, um, when am I getting grandchildren? Because my sister is <laughs> my grandmother. Um, my sister just oh, became shit. my grandmother and we've got the first oh. boy in the family all girls were all everyone is girls 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 um so we've got sunny james who my um um had and sunny's now he's nine months old oh my god i mean the sad thing is i've not got to see i've not got to see a lot of them because we've been in covid and haven't been able to be in scotland but oh my god this boy is just uh he's a toe rag he's literally a handful and it's just brilliant. And I can just see my sister, like how much joy she gets out of them. And I. It's a love affair. Yeah, oh, it's a total love affair. I cannot wait to become a grandmother. I, mom, <laughs> Misty's literally going, give me a break. I'm not even like, She's only 18. <laughs> she's like, come on, seriously, you need. To... I'm like, I'll bring them up. <laughs> we could go old school. We could go back in the day. Grandmother bringing up the child, no problem at all. She says, "No, I can't. I can't let you bring my child up. They'd have a foul mouth." (laughs) And she'd know. She would. That's why she doesn't swear. I told her that if she ever get caught swearing, I would go to jail. Like the living daylights out when she was a little kid, never swore. 
Oh, do you know, I, we used to go every, every year we go on holiday to Ibiza. And when the kids were little, uh, another girlfriend of mine, who's she's a, a hairstylist, but very, very fashion focused, right? And her son suddenly turned into her worst nightmare, which was just a polyester football kit wearing football lover, right? Oh, God. So she came up with the idea because she didn't want him to wear the football kit that he lived in at home on holiday. <laughs> so she told him that in Ibiza they were uh, illegal. And he'd be arrested. Yeah. I'm all for it. I just like to say to everyone listening, lie to your children. It works. Just lie, lie to get... If it's a harmless lie, it's fine. Yeah, What's wrong survival. With, yeah, what's wrong with saying you'll get arrested if you wear that football kit? I don't see any harm in that whatsoever. And then you wonder why they've then got a problem with like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Charlene, thank you so much. Thanks, Kate. I'll see you soon, okay? Now tell me you're not a little bit more in love with Charlene Spiteri. I know. I love her. I love her. Thank you so much to her. The new Texas album is out right now. It's called High. It's available where you get all your records. Even old school cassettes, vinyl and CDs are available for you retro fans as always the show is produced by me kate thornton with richard hatherell and libby knowles for yahoo uk our big bad beats are provided by andy bell his back catalogue is available with itunes and spotify and you can find all his work there with ride oasis and as a solo artist and before i go it would mean the world if you could find time to rate and review us only if you've got something good to say if you've got nothing good to say then as your mother told you if you've got nothing nice to say say nothing at all i'll see you next week Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.